Reading tonight from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 1, and verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The setting for this was unique, wasn't it? Everything it seems like that Jesus was involved in was unique and uh, unusual many times. They were at the, the River Jordan, and John the Baptist, a pretty good friend of Jesus, I'm sure he was a good friend. They grew up together, Nazareth. And so John the Baptist was baptizing people in the River Jordan. The Lord had given John this instruction of some sort and was referred to at different times as John's baptism. It has changed since that time, we know. But you, you think of, of John the Baptist when he saw Jesus, we think, depending on how you look at it, that he didn't know him. But he did know him. He knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. They probably worked together, went to school together, did a lot of things together, almost the same age. Now at this time, about 30 years of age, uh, here comes Jesus with no doubt a crowd of other people that were going to be water baptized or baptized in John's baptism in the River Jordan. And so for John the Baptist to cry out like this, Behold the Lamb of God! How different that was! What was he referring to? The Lamb of God. The, the Jewish people knew that they would bring lambs uh, to slaughter for for their sins. They would bring them as a sacrifice and the, and the lamb would, would die and that was the procedure that they went through for for some time there, many years. But he, 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 he referred, he, he pointed at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God. You, you, you wonder if possibly John the Baptist over time had been praying about this because the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah for a long, long time. They wanted a Messiah. They wanted also a relief from the oppression of the, of the Roman Empire that controlled just about everything. And uh, yet there was this religious uh, uh, people who maintained things as far as the, the Jewish laws were concerned from Jerusalem and so forth. So now he refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. I wonder if, if John had some idea about that for quite a while, or even a short period of time, that I wonder, I, I just wonder, I wonder, is it Jesus? We have religious talks all the time, Jesus and, and, and John. We, we have discussed uh, uh, the scriptures that they knew. They had memorized scriptures, no doubt. There was a, it was a common common bonding area. But now he, re, he refers to 
Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He identified him that day. He recognized him that day. The process went on from there where Jesus was uh, uh, baptized in John's baptism and fulfilled that, that aspect of it. But it went on for some time after that that the things were different now. Jesus had come into his ministry to reach out to mankind, not only in Israel or in Palestine, throughout that part of the world, but throughout the whole world. Who could possibly have a responsibility for saving mankind worldwide from the beginning of time to the end of time? That one man, Jesus, would be that Lamb of God, that sacrifice. When you consider that, There's tremendous power behind this. The power of an almighty God placed upon Jesus as a a part of the Trinity, of the Godhead. And yet he was to fulfill something in the few short years of ministry. Probably about, I think they say about three and a half years of ministry uh, from that point on. Jesus, the Son of God having met met in a different way at that day at the River Jordan. It's interesting to realize that uh, the Apostle John, who's writing this in the book of John, we go on to Peter, another disciple, who at one time, uh, he denied Christ. There was a a stigma, if you will, of being identified with Jesus. And this was a a prime time. Years had gone by at this point, about three, three and a half years or so had gone by. And now Jesus was basically lining up to become that Lamb of God. And Peter, Peter was troubled about this. But if he was identified with Jesus, he might, he might be, taken too and so you don't know what was going through his mind but things changed he had another chance to 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 take care of things with the lord he had another chance to pray it's interesting the lord gives more than one chance sometimes that's a goodness of god that's a mighty god that, that that looks out there and sees people like peter and 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 john and 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 all the others that were disciples. You can kind of imagine how uh, when Jesus was selecting his disciples, it was like, you know, I want you and you and you and I want you to be one of my disciples. Follow me. Follow me. Follow follow me. And you're 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 saying, "What? Follow follow you? What am I going to do? I've got I've got obligations. I've got responsibilities. I may even have a family. And and you want me to follow you?" They did, though. They did follow Jesus. He was the Lamb of God. Maybe they didn't know that at the time. Maybe they had not been educated to know how to minister. But if they would follow Jesus, Jesus would give them the instructions they needed and what they needed to know in the ministry he had in mind for the disciples. You see, Jesus was in forms like we are. He was a man. 
and he wasn't going to be here very long. He had to appoint others to accept that responsibility to carry on the mission that he came here for. He came to set the people free from their sins, to, to deliver them uh, from, from habits that would, would hurt their lives for a long, long time and maybe hurt their families. Jesus wanted to break that, that habit in people's lives. And he had the power to do it if they would accept it. But he passed on that information to his disciples so that they could carry on the responsibilities that he came to fulfill. He needed disciples. Interesting, considering the fact that in that day, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus needed disciples then. He needs disciples now. And you say, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, uh, I can't do that. I, you know, were you thinking I'm supposed to be a preacher? No, not necessarily. Maybe. Sometimes people deliver a message in their writing. They write to their friends. They write to maybe their neighbors and, and tell uh, their friends about Jesus. They tell their friends about the love of God and about that God has something good for them if they would accept what this Bible says and believe the Word of God. God can make a big change in their life, but Jesus still needs disciples. He's still looking for people that say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm, I'm just going to follow. I will follow you, Lord. I, I will take that leap of faith, if you, if you want to call it that, and I'll do what you ask me to do. Peter writes in 2 Peter, he says, first chapter, 2 Peter, verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. That's quite a statement. Can you write like that? Cunningly devised fables. They didn't follow something that was strange and mysterious in that regard or, or just something somebody made up, a fable. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They were there. They were, they saw it with their own eyes. How could they deny what they saw with their own eyes? They'd seen Jesus. They'd seen the miracles. They'd seen, seen how, how he raised the dead. Did you ever see anybody do that? They were eyewitnesses. Even when Jesus was crucified, there were eyewitnesses that saw it. Jesus didn't, they didn't make a plan up that said we're going to have the, the, the Son of God, the, the Lamb of God be, 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 be killed somewhere privately so that not everybody has to see how horrible it is. Not at all. They fulfilled a, a position right in the public. Like others, many were crucified in that day and age. Terrible things. But to take an innocent man and and put him to death on a cross? But they were there. They, many of them saw it. They were eyewitnesses. They saw what they saw, and they couldn't get it out of their head. And they believed something about that. No doubt they had heard this word passed around Jerusalem over and over again about this man, Jesus, and what he's been doing in our land. 
More important than the Roman army, that's for sure. You go on, if you will. Well, let's turn a, turn a page here. Let's go on to 1 John. It's another reference to seeing things. 1 John, first chapter, first verse. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, they've heard it. A lot of people heard about the Lord. They heard about Jesus. They heard about the prophecies fulfilled. They heard uh, what he was doing. They probably heard about John the Baptist. And of course, John the Baptist eventually died because he stood for the Lord's side. You know, that happens sometimes. People that stand up for the Lord may not have a good time. They may fulfill something different. John the Baptist fulfilled something totally different, totally strange. It's in our, in our mind's eye. But they had heard, we have heard, which we have seen. It's nice to be able to hear and to see. It kind of goes together, verifies the facts. With our eyes, something somebody might have made up, we've seen it with our eyes, which we have looked upon, kind of a re-emphasis there. Good writing there, isn't it? It's great, awesome writing. Wish I could write like that. Well, I guess if I was going to write like that, I'd have to, I'd have to, I should have started about 65 years ago, I guess, at least, maybe more than that. Which we have looked upon, and our hands, it's very, very personal here, our hands, you think of your hands. Our hands have handled of the word of life. Gets right down where you are. You know, when you get saved from your sins, you have handled it with the words of life. You have handled it with your own hands, so to speak. It's just a visual connection to salvation. I have grasped it. I've finally understood it. Anybody ever tell you, after you got saved, oh, you saw the light. Well, it's true, you did, you saw the light. Some of us have heard that, you know. They might even call you Rev, you know. I've heard that a long time ago. It's interesting that they catch on to certain things. You ever, you ever go to pray and pray over your, over your, your meal, say grace, and you're the only one, but there's other people around and you don't maybe pray real long. And, and they remind you, hey, didn't, you didn't pray. People that are sitting by you, you didn't pray. Yes, I did. I did. I, I prayed. I, I said my grace. But the people, they catch on after a while. There's something different about that fella or that girl. They must be God. They have handled it with their own hands. They've experienced something. They saw it. They heard it. They believed it. And now they have a testimony. You know what a testimony is? Evidence given by a competent witness. So we heard tonight. We heard personal testimonies. It's not a court of law. Similar, but not the same. Evidence given by a competent witness. Not just a witness, but a competent witness. It's good to be a witness. I went to... Uh, uh, on. On a, I was called for jury duty several years ago. 
downtown. And they, they bring in, there was like grand, grand jury. So they had several cases we, we saw and they weren't that difficult. Send them to the slammer, you know. <laughs> Most of the time that's the way it was. But anyway, so they came in and they would, the, the police would come in, they, uh, they would talk about it and uh, tell us something about the case and so forth and then we'd have to vote on it, you know, and most, most of the time everybody voted in favor of sending them to the next level. I suppose they got to walk home, usually they did, but uh, that's the way they did it. And we weren't the eyewitnesses, we were just the jury. But there was some eyewitnesses that came that actually saw this. They saw somebody stealing their car, somebody busting windows in their, their store or, or whatever, you know. They were eyewitnesses. They saw it and they wanted somebody to do something about it. That's, that's the way you are when you're an eyewitness. You get real passionate about it, especially if it comes out of your wallet. But this is the, the grace of God that we have found. This is the love of God that we have found. Or we should say the Lord found us. There's another definition I wanted to look at. A witness is one who testifies to what he has seen, heard, or otherwise observed. Kind of sounds like what we just read in 1 John. You've seen it, you heard it, or otherwise you observed it. But you were there, you saw it. And so therefore, you are justified in being a real, actual witness. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. I was reading a little bit about this earlier today, actually, realizing that one commentator refers to the revelation, in your Bible, it will probably say the revelation of St. John the Divine. But this particular uh, comment, comment, who commented on it, he calls it the revelation of God. Because it's a revelation, it's just one revelation, it's not several, but it's one revelation and it is about Jesus Christ, that's who it's about. It, it tells so many beautiful things in, in, in Revelation. But it says in the first, first verse there, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. This was John that wrote the book of John, the gospel of John, same John. But he was probably the oldest of the disciples and, and lived beyond uh, the years of many of them. And he was uh, sent to Patmos, probably not knowing why, but we know why. He was sent there to meet an angel. An angel of God came to John and gave him this whole business of the book of Revelation. Can you imagine that? I'm thinking to myself, how do you write all these words with ink and pen and quill or however they wrote back in those days? They did not, they didn't have computers. Did you know that? No computers? No, no spell check? Boy, that'd have been great when I was in school. We, had, we learned typing. We actually were the actual typewriter, you know. You ever heard of them? They were, they were okay. Didn't have electric typewriters until a little bit later, but we had those, the manual typewriters. And we learned how to do it. 
And it was great. Typing class is awesome. There is no homework. You do it all in class. Isn't that great? You don't get many things like that. But there was no typewriter involved in John's day. It had to be written. Maybe he had some help. Maybe he had some scribes. But he was getting information from an angel. How often do you communicate with angels? John will send an angel to give him revelation. And it's an awesome book. It's an incredible book. But in the second verse, it tells a lot about this book. Who bear record of the word of God. That's what the angel was doing. He was bearing record of God's word. He was giving them information from the word of God. God spoke to the angel and the angel spoke to John. And John was going to have a commission to take that word to the churches. And we are still getting the word to the churches. All these years later, who who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Did you know that was in the Bible? That's the only place it's in the Bible. The testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm wondering, thinking about that. What's your favorite testimony or person testimony? This is it. The testimony of Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate of all testimonies. You think, but why do we have personal testimonies in church? Can't beat this one. That's true. But the reason for it, I think is the reason for it, is we tell a little bit, a little brief version of what the Lord's done for us and how it's changed our lives. And even tonight, you have a little variation because we're not all from the same stock, I guess. And we come from different places even. But the testimony came to us. Somebody probably gave us their personal testimony so that we would believe the gospel. That was the whole point. And that's the whole point of personal testimonies, even public testimonies, where somebody will relate to that subject and say, you know, that's kind of like me, except I'm not saved. And maybe I should get saved tonight. That might be the, that would be the inclination. That would be the purpose. Think about that next time you testify. But don't hesitate to testify just because I said that. <laughs> because we all have to do it our way. Believe me, we all are different that way. Some are can say so much in so few words. And that is awesome if you can do that. It's terrible when you have to go on and on and on and never really kind of get your point across. But anyway, we, we've, we've learned through the years, don't we? I hope we've learned through the years, yes. We're, we're, we're still learning. The testimony of Jesus Christ. Take that home with you. And of all things that he saw, John saw a lot. John gave us something so incredible by writing down however he wrote it down. And we have it today. Do you know of very many books in the world that are as published as the Bible? And I know the Bible is published in all sorts of variations, but the Bible is awesome. And it just has been passed around and passed around for, for centuries. We are fortunate 
to have the Bible. We are fortunate to have people like John, the Apostle John, to, to, and all the other writers of the Scriptures. They documented this. Think of it. The testimony of Jesus Christ really begins in Genesis and flows all the way through into Revelation. doesn't say always his name, but there's references in some form or another that God is who you want to serve. The God of heaven is the one you want to be closest to. You want to see it and feel it and be an eyewitness. You can be the personal eyewitness to this personal testimony of Jesus Christ. When you, uh, when you pray through, that's what happens. So from now on, Tom, just remember, it's not your personal testimony, all this is my personal testimony. But that personal testimony is only validated by the testimony of Jesus Christ. He validates every one of our testimonies. He's the one that authorizes us to be competent witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to stand and we're going to sing from that great, well, we've got a great big book up here. You've got the small versions. It's the same book. This is probably for the seniors, like myself. A little bigger print. Page 176.